0: You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve,
1: Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so
0: much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. Today with me, I have Coach Alan. How are you, Alan? Uh, Good, thanks. Um, Um, I believe we have a guest that you know quite well. Um, can you give us a little bit more information about who he is and uh, why he's so special for us?
2: <laughs> I can do that. I can see Ed chuckling. Oh, I've said the name. Uh, so yeah, it's just uh, one of the athletes that I have the uh, fortune to work with, um, Ed. Who I think I should explain why I've uh, I've made this suggestion, and it's just. Um, over the course of the last few months, working with Ed, he has done quite a good job with his swimming, and that that really is often you know that's it's often the case that that's um, a really significant challenge for athletes, and so uh, as hopefully as much as you guys listening and obviously yourself, Diego, I'm kind of interested to hear from Ed uh, how he went about that. Um, obviously, I had a, a, some input onto that, but. So really, it's a chance for Ed to share some reflections on, on that journey. So maybe, Ed, if you want to give us a little background on yourself, what you're doing day to day, what races you did before, why you started coaching, that, and what you're aiming for, that would be sweet.
1: Awesome. Thank you very much, Alan. Um, you're probably going to hear me parroting back a lot of things you've said to me throughout this session. So i will be... Funny seeing how much of what I say you recognize, um, but yeah, I think so. I've been working with you since I think like September, October time now, so a little over six months. Um, and before that, I'd spend a few years mostly doing running, um, like like a little bit of sporty stuff, not super seriously. Um, and before that, kind of very little, to be perfectly honest. Um, I I got into triathlon last year, where I did a olympic distance and then jump straight up to a full ironman uh, as a bit of a challenge which is good fun um, and then after that i decided i wanted to you know improve on some of my weaknesses that i had throughout that period um, got into coaching with Alan, and um yeah just seen some some really good improvements ever since then it's been a, it's been a fun journey so far and just and um, to add where, what are you aiming for now so my upcoming big race is um ironman copenhagen in august um, which is going to be really good fun, and hoping to to knock a a good bit of time off what happened in finland so we'll we'll see how it goes
0: so what was this well in order for me to um to have an idea what was the starting point in terms of uh swimming bike and run
1: sure so I guess in terms of swimming um I had way back, right, like in primary school, I had swimming lessons. And the only reason I mentioned it was because when my mum was sorting out some old things in the house the other day, she found a certificate for me swimming 21 metres. Now, we, we have a 25 metre pool, so clearly I must have given up with a few metres to go. And I think that was probably the last bit of swimming that I had done before starting triathlon training. So, you know, going from 21 metres to 3.8 kilometres was, was quite a jump. Um at Iron Man Finland last year I very much kind of went with the mindset of you know, get through the swim. Um I think I did it in about like one hour twenty-five, which mm-hmm. was I was happy with at the time, but definitely room for improvements. Um kind of with the with the goal just to you know, get through it, finish the swim and then get onto the part that I, I actually enjoyed. Um with with biking and running, I ha I had a lot more experience with. so you, Whilst there's been lots of improvements and things to learn there, swimming was very much starting kind of from the from the bottom, and and learning a lot of the fundamentals behind you know how to swim, how to train in swimming, which is actually can be a bit different than other areas, um, and just you know make make the most of the time in the pool in order to see some some benefits uh, on race day. So it's been it's been uh, yeah quite quite a big journey there.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, do you have any goal or goals for Copenhagen this year?
1: Um. Oh, that's a good question. I think around some something in the region of like a, around one hour ten would be quite cool. So a few weeks back, back in um, like it was, it was the Thursday before the Easter holidays. Um, I had a a three point eight k continuous swim set by Alan. Thank you for that one, by the way, Alan it's <laughs> Always, always fun to see a big You're one in the, in the training plan. Um, and I think that was one hour 12. I did it in like Parliament Hill lie day, or London Fields lie day. Um, quite a busy day, N- nice 50 meter pool with wide lanes to enjoy it. Um, and that was, you know, that's a good 12, 13 minutes off where I was last year. Um, There's still plenty of time and practice to go. So yeah, basically so- something around that time uh, in open water in Copenhagen
0: would be absolutely awesome. So Alan, Ed's, adds- went from 125, 1 hour twenty five minutes at the three point eight K to now one hour and twelve. How did that happen so quickly?
1: Um well obviously other than the fantastic coaching from Alan, um I, I, I think a lot of it came down to um not just the time but like the the engagement with swimming workouts in the pool. Um working with Alan I went from probably doing, I don't know, maybe five or six kilometers a week of swimming up to more like 10, 12, 13. Um, and, and through that, did a lot more different types of workouts and different ways of swimming and interacting with the water. And I think a lot of it was, obviously, there's a, there's a bit of like fitness improvement that you see in that time but i think a, a huge amount of it was about developing that relationship with the water understanding swimming technique and and how to swim in an efficient way and kind of putting those two pieces together um in in order to it just improve how you swim um so a, a very technique heavy was was a lot of the focus i don't know would you agree alan mm,
2: maybe maybe not Obviously it's more challenging for me to recall working with multiple athletes um but that you spoke about a transition there in terms of distance um Would you say that was immediate, gradual, or something else
1: yeah it was it was gradual i mean from the start, there were definitely more swim sessions than I would have done by myself, mainly because. At the start, I didn't really enjoy swimming, and it's really easy to do less of things you don't enjoy. So I think part part of it was just increasing the volume in, in a gradual way, like like you say, like both in terms of the the number of times a week that you're going swimming and you know, the, the volume of the workouts themselves. So so yeah, there was a there was a ramp up definitely.
2: So as well as the distance. You know, before we started working together, how often would you head to the pool, roughly on average? So when you were going for Finland, you know
1: what did that look like? It was uh, looking back, it was questionably low, like t- twice a week, maybe three of us was having a big week. And I'd try and ma- I'd maybe do fifteen hundred meters, maybe like two k, two and a half k at the weekend if I wanted a big session. But, but that was probably about it. There's a bit of open water in there as well, which is sometimes, sometimes fun, but def, definitely a lot less. Okay, and
2: how often did, in yeah you know, initially, how often were you going when we started working together?
1: I know when, when we started, we had a very, quite a big swim-focused block. So I think it must have been like four, four or five times a week then. I can't quite remember, to be honest.
2: I've got training peaks open, so I just had the chart open with the, <laughs> the distance swam each week. When when exactly, can you remember when exactly we started working together?
1: I, I think it was sort of like the last week of September where, yeah, maybe, maybe the first week of October, like that, roughly that yeah, time.
2: I'm just going back on the calendar. So it was, I had everything open, but I was quite prepared with this specific question. Um,
0: I'm just laughing because this is one of the things that the athletes that we coach want most. Most is like I want to improve my swimming but how many of them are able or are willing to go to the swimming pool four, five, six times a week um, to go for a swim. Maybe that's the secret.
2: how, How many athletes do you work with, Diego, that swim that often?
0: Um... I think two of them swim, I can check on Trinity Peaks, but it's about five times a week.
2: Yeah. And how many athletes is that out of? Uh,
0: out of uh, 16 athletes.
1: Okay. But I, I also think the, the volume is only one part of it, right? Because I think if you go to the pool, just splash about five times a week and then leave, you're probably not going to see the same level of benefits as if you're, really engaging with the sessions and i think that was one of the things that that i really noticed throughout was that it's not about getting through the workout and like you know plodding along through it It, it's about really mentally engaging with what you're doing and understanding why you're doing it and trying to to really kind of challenge yourself to ask like you know how am i moving am i Going too hard and then burning out, or am I cutting through the water as opposed to swimming smoothly through it? And it's a lot. I found it a lot more, you know, mentally engaging and and challenging than say going for an easy run where you can just kind of think about something else throughout.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I can tell you um, that in October you only swam three times a week. That was the first. Because you had hackney half marathon so and normally working with an athlete the first couple of weeks are somewhat transitional um, hmm. so I wouldn't necessarily the first week I set you is the first week if that makes sense because there's yeah. somewhat of a sharing of things well there's always there's always a sharing of things but <clears throat> the influence changes and then you did your first CSS test on the 9th of November, can you remember what your time was,
1: or? I think my my pace came out to, my CSS pace was 206 per 100, I want to say. I don't know what that would be in minutes.
2: But that I don't, it, that is not the case for this one. This one was 147. Maybe I've missed the CSS test further back. Hang on.
1: I reckon there would have been one in like September.
2: Yeah, I think I missed it. Yeah. So on the one, the fir- first actual week of giving you something. Um, yeah. So it's four. 14, so 2.07, 100. So from
1: yeah.
2: from the 20th of September through until, the, I think it was the 9th of November, I said. Yeah, you went from 2.07 to one forty three Good jump. It's a bit of a jump, isn't it? And then I was just trying to look for where the first week where you swam four times a week was. Um One two, yeah, it would have been twenty <laughs> second uh, of November, so you know had like you had like six or seven weeks of three times a week and then stepped up to four sessions a week, and your total swim distance that week was ten ten and a half thousand meters. Whereas previous to that it was more like seven yeah about seven thousand meters, so an extra session, extra three k or so what was your question,? Dier?
0: I was about to ask you that uh, well, Ed's example is a very good one because he's able to swim four or five times a week, but do you think we can get the same results for someone that is not able to swim that much? or to have those many sessions a week?
2: Well, at this point, it was only th- swimming three times a week.
0: How many times are you swimming right now, Ed? Four?
1: I should probably know that off my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, so,
2: so should I, really, Ed. But there we go. Um, <laughs> I think like the the frequency is really important. Um, but I think I, I agree with Ed. The application to the task Engagement in what you're doing and having some sort of purpose is super useful. I think, um, like earlier, Ed was saying about the um, the continuous three point eight k and the other sessions that were, that were were within that week. Can you remind us what they were again, Ed?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a continuous three point eight k, a CSS test like the four hundred, two hundred, a one hundred meter time trial, and then a fifteen hundred meter best yeah. efforts.
2: And do you understand why you did that spectrum of efforts?
1: So my understanding of it is to see how almost like proportional your swimming ability is. So, you, so for example, like a 400 to 200 CSS test will produce a number that is theoretically your 1500 meter best effort time. So then by doing a 1500 meter effort, as well, you can see how kind of proportional your longer distance efforts are to so your, your shorter distance. And this kind of gives you a few different data points to see where, where that swimming ability currently is.
2: Okay. And and then in terms of that engagement in what you've been doing in the pool ever since the start, I guess, what have you been getting engaged in?
1: I'm going to use I'm going to use a classic Allen combination here of the three pillars of swimming. I think he called it of like buoyancy, propulsion, and drag. As the three. I might have said that. And then, as in buoyancy being, are you able to float? Are you sinking to the ground? Are are you going to drown? Which hopefully the answer is no. Propulsion being how effectively are you able to move yourself through the water, and drag being how efficiently are you holding your body to stop yourself from slowing down, almost like the, the aerodynamics of the pool, essentially I guess. Yeah. Um, and and I think the various sessions that we did focus particularly on propulsion and drag in, in a number of different ways. Um, Say, so when thinking about propulsion, a lot of it was about the kind of the catch and the pull of the stroke, where you might be positioning your hands, what you're doing with your arms, and the drag element being, focusing on you know, the kind of like the, the the bottom end of the body. So I your legs sinking in the water. What are you doing with your feet? Um, how are you kind of holding yourself? Are you streamlined through the water or are you kind of dragging this along as you're going? And I think a lot of the sessions were about engaging with those three different elements understanding how do they all play together and finding that kind of sweet spot of being able to put in efficient efforts without slowing yourself down unnecessarily.
0: Okay. Can I ask you, can I ask something? How many times have you seen earth swimming, Alan?
2: Uh, I took the question out of my mouth. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's interesting that we were thinking the same thing. Um, once, I believe, Ed. Yeah. But I wow. think really importantly, where in the timeline from starting coaching back at the end end of September, start of October, where in the timeline did that occur?
1: It was, it was relatively recently in that timeline. I think it was only like t- two weeks before that big swim test week
2: yeah so and that wasn't that many weeks ago was it was that a couple of months ago maybe yeah it
1: was was like easter it was a bit before easter
2: so you're talking october all the way through to april which is a really significant amount of the improvements that ed's made so without seeing you swim ed like what kind of harry potter tricks did i pull to do
1: that um so so a lot of it i i think came down to doing quite a lot of technique and drill sessions so so forcing forcing me to understand and like just become more familiar with things like position in the water and doing a lot of drills some of which made me feel really really silly my least my least favorite one not from an effort level but just from how ridiculous i look is that the helicopter drill where you've got like one arm out of the water and you're spinning it round in the air and people people who don't know swimming must think you're an absolute idiot but it's still good. I think, you know, even doing the silly drills, like just swallowing your pride, doing the ones that make you feel a bit ridiculous, but thinking about why am I doing it, like where, where am I, where, where am I position, and, and what am I getting out of this, I, I think is, is a, a large part of those Harry Potter tricks that you're pulling. Um, yeah, Okay.
2: See, I, I I I jest with the Harry Potter because I I don't. It's funny that you say that. I find it interesting because I gen like I think Diogo would back me up here. I don't like drills in swimming. I don't. like that. I hate them. I don't know from a coaching point of view. As well, hey, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Him. I don't like overly focusing on technique. So I don't. I disagree, which is really interesting.
1: I don't think it was the only element. I think I, I have found with it, it it really challenged me to to change how I swam, mm. in in a more active way. So, and maybe, yeah, I guess it was just learning about exactly what you're doing in each moment, and always like over accentuating some of the movements. So when you when you come down to it, it's a little bit more ingrained in your muscle memory. Mm. What, what would you say wish, would you say it was more around the kind of endurance type sessions uh no i first of all i'd say that you
2: can't be wrong in this conversation we just have a different point of view and a different perspective so if that's what if that's what you think cool that's that no you know no problem at all like the que- i want to ask a question back because if i didn't see you swim how was your swimming delivered to you how how did the coaching of the swimming get to you cuz you're a coached athlete you know everybody's going to think it's just a session on training peaks
1: yeah no it's it's definitely not just a session on training peaks and i th- i think when when we had our catch-ups and we spoke about swimming techniques in a number of them Part, part of that was you don't necessarily need to see someone to be able to teach them how to swim, and I think one thing that you said was that you found describing and teaching swimming easier because you also had to learn it or it was it was one of the things that you you were less confident on before and so you find it easy to explain how how to swim effectively because it's something you had to actively learn yourself and so I think in those in those kind of coach sessions part part of it would be you know learning that description of it, it's like a canoe in the sense you're going left to right and a bottom bracket and like you're spinning your arms around and combining two different motions to to swim forward so i think part of it we definitely came from those those coach sessions as well as just like the general check-ins and chat offline on training peaks after after yeah. workouts themselves and
2: in terms of the sessions that you did you obviously so we spoke about going from 7k 10k to three to four and three to four sessions a week in terms of the frequency and i think it's it's not the distance that you swam is secondary to the frequency so if, if we you know if somebody listening to this is faster at you know 130 or slower at 230 they they're going to cover more or less ground during that swimming time so it's, it's all relative Within, within the sessions that you were asked to do within that
1: framework of frequency, what what were you doing? So a, a lot of them were these endurance-based sessions that were about hitting specific intervals at specific efforts. So we spoke just now about CSS testing and the various paces that come out of that. And so a lot of them was building building up the um, duration, I guess, that you'd be swimming at, at each different in- intensity. So get, getting out the tempo trainer, setting it to you know, your CSS pace, or your CSS plus five for some of the easier ones. And the first time I think would be you know doing 100 meters a, a bunch of times at CSS effort, And then as that volume of swimming grew, the duration and length of some of those intervals would grow as well. So slowly increasing the time that's spent either at that threshold or slightly below threshold effort, um, in order to, you know, I guess there's a number of things that come out of it. Pacing being one big one of them, which the tempo trainer was fantastic for. So learning not to just sprint off your first 25 meters and then burn out throughout the session. Um, but I guess, you know, building your, your endurance capability to swimming and also your your mental ability to just kind of crack on with it a bit more and get get used to that discomfort that you might be feeling in the pool. For me, those pacing sessions,
2: my reflection on it is it's not the the is your response to the tempo trainer and your engagement in it that made the difference. So from my point of view, the the comments that you would make quite in, quite insightful and quite descriptive to help me fit you know feel what you feel you know you say um, I try to pick out an example but you you're quite good at describing in your feedback what you're feeling so this session that I'm looking at here is five by a hundred and then a big push to 800 at CSS and then another five by hundred and you've written, I'm just going to read it out if that's okay. Uh, so, 5x100, okay, okay. feeling good. 800, ah, that was tough. Really feel like it gave that as much as I could on pace for the first 400. Then it slipped away at the end. I was pleased with the effort level and how it felt, how it felt compared to last week. 5x100, these were getting tough after the 8. 400, heavy arms, quite far off the pace, but feeling like the effort was put in here. And you've added, whilst not quite at the speed I was wanting on the longer sets, I'm really pleased with the effort. I Was able to attack this with. Um, you had a few flat swims, so you felt it was good to have a bit more energy. Um, and you know, my response to that was, so what breaks down over the eight hundred? And your response is, sorry, it's hard to say. Although my guess would be that around four five hundred metres when it starts feeling a bit tough. I lose focus a little. You've gone on to, say, kicking a bit more frantically, not timing the breaths as well, not having as good rotation in the stroke. I don't think it breaks down much at first, but I do think it's a spiralling effect. Uh, It gets tough, so you lose focus. You're distracted by being behind the beeps, is what you're saying there. And you swim less efficiently. Less efficient swimming is even tougher, so it breaks down further. So you're describing one thing goes and then everything else starts to follow. Um, and you've, you've gone on to say what I find interesting is one fifty four, for 100, for 800 totally fine. However, 150, 100 here, because that was the CSS pace at the time, was very tough. Yep. Um, you hadn't done a, a 800 at CSS plus five How do you reckon that'd be manageable. Sustaining threshold effort seems to be a challenge. It's interesting to go back to this. My response to all of that is spiraling effect bingo. Uh, swimming it, swimming is something where the sum of the parts really matters but where does that crack first open? It shows you how important concentration and knowing what you need to concentrate on is. And that was back on the 15th of January.
0: Alan is it me or Ed has a, a very good awareness of what he's doing in the water.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what I'm trying to demonstrate by
0: Because sometimes you have athletes they just go into the water and they do whatever you ask them to do and they have no idea what they did. But in this situation, for what I can listen to you guys, is okay, you gave him the sessions. And he knows exactly what he's doing, why he's doing that, and what he's working, and what's the the goal for it's it. What did well, what did wrong? Yeah,
2: do you think you're aware in
1: the water? Um, I th- I think there's a degree of awareness. I think the whole the whole point you make around training being process orientated, not outcome orientated, is is important. So I think not just in swimming in general. I think it's always, I, I always try and make an effort to understand why I am doing the session. And then during the session, if things aren't going exactly how I wanted it to, knowing why that may be and how it affects what the what the goal was. I, I think particularly in swimming, because it's something that I was more new to I was, I, I'd been doing a lot of like reading and research and just kind of general awareness of, of what, what a good technique is. And so I think I was a lot more tuned into exactly what was happening in the water. But based on what, based on what Alan read out there, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you exactly what was going wrong. I just knew some, something was slipping a bit. And it, it made that 800 just get slower as, as the time went on. Do you think
2: your awareness? So when we started working with each other to now, how has your awareness changed? If it has,
1: I think I know a lot more about what to be aware of, and I think developing almost like cues to yourself as to to, to make sure you know you know you're doing things right. So I, li- little things that you can pick up on, so, to know. Oh yeah, I'm I'm doing this part of my technique well. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of it as well is is not just necessarily awareness of, of what I'm doing, but just an understanding in general of what's good and what's what's bad. Um I quite like to like watch other people in the pool who are either really fast or or not very fast at all and just kind of see what they're doing and how does it differ to what I'm doing? And what what can you what can you take away from that? Not necessarily copy or use it, but um just being a bit more aware of exactly what what is going into a good stroke and what would you
2: say your what would you say the relationship between awareness and experience is
1: is there i i have found it very much directly correlated
2: because yeah i i think your awareness has increased significantly throughout our time working together in the water i could just tell with the conversations we talk more on the level now so from that point mm. in time, back in January, you you did a lot of these pace-type sessions then, but I know from just from my memory that then there was a period of experimentation around those notes with trying to work out where the breakdown point was for you. Yeah. Within those sessions... What was what were the words in your head when you were swimming?
1: That's actually a really difficult question. I, I actually don't know. Um, I think,
2: were, were you singing a song? Were you thinking about your tea? Like, were you thinking, you know, that woman's really annoying or, you know, that guy's really annoying or whatever, like swimming up and down the lane? Oh, you know, te- like all the grunts and moans from your day. What, what were you thinking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, other than when you're, like, blocked by someone doing breaststroke, and just thinking, I wish this person would move. Other other than those moments, a lot of it was very, kind of, introspective. So, a lot of it is, sort of, counting strokes, just, I, I, I find myself counting in threes. I think one of the first things that we used to do was, like, that bubble, bubble, breathe, kind of, um, not even sure it was a drill, but, Something like that just to to make to make sure you're breathing in a good good like rhythm, a lot of what I'll do is like count down the strokes to a breath and then count the lengths obviously to know how long you're going for, but I think with with that you kind of hit this rhythm of you know if you're counting like one, two, three to breathe, you can start to pick up on is my stroke rate declining and going a lot slower, or is it getting a lot faster? And if you're counting your lengths, even if you're not using a tempo trainer, you can start to of think like, oh, that, that one was a lot faster or a lot slower than last time. Have I increased the efforts, or have I changed how I'm moving slightly? And starting to pick up a little bit more on exactly what what you're doing um, and how it's affecting how, how smoothly you're able to go through that swimming.
2: For me, your your engagement is key because it's what's driven the development of your experience. You know, It's facilitated us having conversations. Mm. I'm sure Diego would back me up here, but we've both worked with plenty of athletes where they never comment on a swim session.
0: I would say 85% of them never comment.
2: And there's no engagement. Yeah. there's a lot of of complaining if the Garmin doesn't work (laughs) but what you've just described to us Ed is like you said internalising and taking responsibility for something you can't externalise swimming you've got to make it happen yourself because nobody's down there under the water with you you have to take responsibility for it if you want to get somewhere with it and your engagement has allowed me to create an environment for you to explore and learn and build. And that's why you've improved, in my opinion. But if well, I'm gonna ask you, see if you can remember, but you've done like those endurance sets with plus five, CSS pace sessions, a few speed sessions and a few te- and a few technique sessions, yeah? Yeah. Not really on anything specific, just like general sessions to work on general things. But what else have you done at the pool?
1: As in in terms of se- actual sessions or just around, around the pool? Well,
2: I, it's an open question.
1: Is it, Do you have something particular in mind that I should be remembering here? Or...
2: There's no right or wrong answer.
1: Um... So it's a difficult thing to answer, I guess. I think th- through some of the, the sessions and workouts that we've done, a, a, a large there's a, there's been a lot of it. Um, I'm I'm struggling to think. I'm struggling to think of what to say here. Um. I I guess I guess a lot of it has just been gaining familiarity and experience just in the water. At the pool, so even little things like in a warm up, doing a mixed stroke, or like, oh, for this set, do like butterfly kick on your back, with, or something like that for, for a cool down at the end. A, a lot of a lot of um, different methods of swimming. In warm ups and cool downs, or sometimes within a technique session, which you know, whilst isn't directly improving your front crawl ability, is helping to develop and further increase that um, that awareness within the water, and and relationship with the water in, in that way, which I which I think has been has been really important. Mm. Is that what you had in mind?
2: I didn't particularly have anything in mind. Like I said, there was no right or wrong answer. Um, I have something in mind from my point of view. Um, And it is really just about trying to to ask ask you to go and do things just so that you've done it. From your point of view, it's not necessarily any different. Why would you know any different? You know, you've not done this before, so of course it's it's just what it is to you, so it's understandable it's difficult to answer the question. But i just have a little scroll through training peaks here. Like, I asked you to do a 1500 metre test for the first time on January the 28th. Um, and I'll just read out the, the comment again. A valuable learning experience and get my words out. A valuable learning experience, never done an effort as long as this before. Uh, I really didn't want to burn out too quickly. My plan was to do 500 meters slightly slower than I felt was right. 500 meters slightly harder and 500 meters push. Um, Mainly wanted to make sure I didn't repeat Tuesday and go in too hard and and not relaxed. Um, Positives 1500 meters, um, sorry, fastest 1500 meters. Uh felt really controlled throughout, a few moments had to form a form back but never felt like I was fighting the water uh, Your goggles slipped off but you fixed it You think you focused too much on not overdoing it, but you probably underdid it by a fair bit um, If you're being honest you, with yourself, you probably could have continued that pace for a good 500 metres to a kilometre more um, And then you've gone on to say, like you said in the CSS test this is all good experience, which is something I'm definitely lacking in swimming. I'm still working on finding those different effort levels and what they feel like. Um, And for me, that's the key bit, is just pacing and execution of technique is a skill, as much as the skill itself, and skill development works fundamentally about trialing a load of different ways and how to do something in order to find the best method for yourself and I've just added in sessions here and there to encourage you to explore that and you've come back to me and said basically what you said there I could have done a bit better if I'd have done this and we've just done that iteratively over and
1: over and over and over again
2: but you've constantly engaged in that and helped drive that forward
1: Definitely, and I, and I think what what I found is as my experience has grown, the ability to to do those things better has has also increased. So, like when experimenting with something new at the first time, I, at the beginning, I thought there was a lot of times where not not that I would fail it, because I don't really think you can fail it, right? but definitely leave thinking like, oh, I, that was really tough, and I wasn't able to do that quite as well. And I feel like as my experience has grown. The number of times I feel like oh I haven't I haven't been able to do that as well has decreased quite a lot as you start to tune in a bit more like oh I, I know I can hold this effort for fifteen hundred and m- maybe if I m- like I know I can do this for for one hundred so maybe I can find something in the middle for something else So you kind of you yeah you, you almost start to like dial it in and understand a little bit more about where, where where those efforts sit and so so you can experiment a bit more and experiment successfully
2: yeah. That was 28.30 in January. Um, and I think the thing with your approach, I'd say, is you've not written yourself off either. Beforehand, it is not, it's not an arduous thing to do. You've been prepared to do it. A lot of people, you know, set, you set three, three or four swims. and for some athletes it's obviously very understandable with their logistics and what else is going on in their life. Um, you know, getting to this pool can be difficult, but I don't know if it's completely easy for you. I don't necessarily question it because you do it. Um, but I've definitely heard from plenty of athletes. Oh, you know, that's too difficult. I can't do that. But, and it's it's a tricky sale with swimming. But then anyway, so some of the some of the sessions that I've gone on, I just wanted to highlight. So um, February the fourth, a gala swim. Can you remember the distance, Ed? Was this 100 metres? 100 metres. So I got you to swim a session that was basically a warm-up and a cool-down for 100 metres, absolutely full throttle. Um, And bearing in mind at the time your CSS was around 154, you swam a... I want to say
1: 140. Uh, It was actually 133. Ah, it's not too bad.
2: Um, but and then going on from there uh, you were doing some aerobic swims in a pool with deep water turns, so not touching the wall um, what else jumps at me some tautness sessions um, and then just every now and then um, 2 times 1k deep water turns and then another gala swim over a hundred metres on fourth of March, so a month later. Um and then what else? Anything else along those lines, jump out, at you?
1: There are there are a few that have come out as like things like twenty by a hundred. I remember one of those I just absolutely hated. Yeah. But then recently like this week there was a thirty by a hundred that was actually great fun. Like it so I think
2: <laughs> yeah i've gone all the way down to the 22nd of march and that's the first time you did a double swim day um so i twice in one day um so a couple of k each time steady swim in the morning css in the afternoon Um try and take advantage of normal circadian rhythms um and then what else jumps out there's sort of different ones i think you right you then you have repeat then then comes this uh this uh swim week that we were talking about earlier i believe which was um and end, towards the end of april so you've got a css test on the tuesday after a short swim on the monday um <laughs> I've just read, in the title of that three point eight k swim, I've written continuous aerobic swim. Don't let temptation get to you. <laughs> uh, and then a guy, then the hundred meter swim again, and then the fifteen hundred meter test on the Saturday. Um, and the reason that I'm doing that is I'm just trying to give you an opportunity to make those iterative improvements. So you've done them all in isolation, then that you've done them all together obviously now I know our last conversations the last few weeks have been based around um, obviously your race at Outlaw Half and now the question is obviously converting all of that work into open water.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely which I guess is another another challenge and also another opportunity to go through that experimentation and iteration. Um, obviously with Outlaw Half being quite early in the season there weren't many opportunities to, to do lots of open water beforehand but it's still a good experience, you know, to get out there and and see what you can do over that distance. And I think now going forward, as it gets warmer between now and kind of Copenhagen, there's that opportunity to do those tests, to to try a bunch of different things out in open water and and see how it goes.
2: And for the benefit of everybody listening, I know we spoke about this last Friday week ago. Yeah. Just under a week ago, yeah. So what is the plan now to try to take those improvements into open water? So This is a bit where you, you this there is a right answer to this one, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um It's it's a focus on on feel as opposed to a focus on times as such. Um When doing sessions in the pool, particularly those like CSS sessions, a lot of it's done with the tempo trainer beeping on every 25. Um, but obviously when you're in open water, you don't have that, that moment every 25 seconds to tell you that you're on pace. And so for upcoming CSS sessions, it's all about increasing the time between, between those beeps. So instead of beeping on every length, what if it's beeping on every 50? Or every two hundred, or every kilometer, bringing that—you know—making sure you have that awareness of pace without relying on this continuous feedback to uh to make sure that you know you're, you're hitting hitting your targets. I I'm really keen for doing one on, on a kilometer. I think it'd be really interesting to see how close you can get to that beep um, after doing what a large number of lengths.
2: Who'd have thought it, hey, Diego? Somebody sort of coming across as a swim session being fun.
0: Yeah, and excited for it.
1: <laughs> I, mean, you know, I know. I know. I think so much of it is mental, and I've, one of the biggest, one of the best pieces of advice that Alan gave me for swimming was nothing to do with swimming at all. He was there, He said, "You know, they, when when you see Michael Phelps walk into a room, he's not like hunched over and, and small and and shyly getting in the pool." He's like a big guy who confidently walks into the pool and goes and does his swim. And I think just entering with that that confidence and optimism, like, it makes such a difference on, on how you interpret the session and therefore how you interact with the session. It's easy, it's easy to complain about it, right? And be like, oh, I don't want to do this. But you don't have to do it if you don't want to. This isn't my job. I'm choosing to do it. So I might, I might as well enjoy it whilst I'm there. And that probably makes you better at doing it anyway.
2: You're knocking you're knocking things out of the park there, Ed. Cause like my my rant of the past two weeks is getting on with training is it's a choice. It, like everything we do pretty much is a choice. There's very little in life that is inflicted upon us. The things that are actually you know, nobody in the in the Ukraine Signed up for war? Did they? That's inflicted upon them by things outside of their control. You know, how many times you swim a week is a is a choice. The environment, you know, the everything around you, your work, your environment, everything else is a choice. So that's fine. Like people can make that choice and work within those constraints. But then, like you say, complaining about it or not a bit having a a poor attitude or response when you walk in to get on with what you are able to do is not helpful. It, you get to, you get to, you know, I don't know the context of the line, but it's from uh, Tom Ward's company and uh, one of the, the way they go about their coaching and um, we're in Passion Fit. I can just remember the line coming from some of their content where it's like, you get to choose your attitude and. You're making a pretty strong choice there with the uh, walking in and getting on with it
1: exactly i i feel like you know it, it can be as good or as bad as you make it right like yeah there's nothing inherently bad about going for a swim and like there's nothing inherently <laughs> bad about doing a tough turbo session or going for a, for a run <laughs> yeah. it's it's you know it, it, you can you can kind of choose to enjoy it if you, if you if you want to, and might find the parts of us that you do like. Yeah, yeah.
2: Diego, what was your question?
0: Well, this one is uh, is not the question I was about to ask, but Ed, at the end of the day, what's the reason why you do this? It's for fun, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And it's good to see improvements as well. Like, you know, so yes, it might be uncomfortable, but it's it's really fun doing like a 1,500-meter test or or a triathlon and feeling like you've smashed it because you've earned it. And it's worth going and doing a few horrible CSS sessions in order to kind of get get that outcome.
0: I was trying to remember some of the best um, memories I have from swimming is when you just beat your times and where you just have all those PBs and have those memories like, I did it, I accomplished this. And I think that's at the end of the day, it pays off all the hard work.
1: And also, when when you put that effort into it, it's you gain a level more of confidence with it, which just makes it more fun in general. Like one other thing that Alan and I worked on a lot was, um was, like bike skills and bike handling. And like, it's way more fun to to ride a bike when you're confident you can shoot around a corner and tackle a descent nice and fast. And I feel like that translates a lot into swimming, whereas it's a lot more fun when you feel like you're in control and on top of it. Like last week, went to an open water session, and and you can know you can have little things. Like you can do like a fun barrel turn around a around a buoy, and um you know do like an effort between a buoy, and then like slow down and, and try different things out, or try drafting people. And when when you get that extra confidence because you put the time in, you know you can handle yourself in the water, and you feel comfortable in that environment. The whole thing does become more enjoyable then as well, which is. It's a really nice kind of secondary thing to get out of it.
2: For for me, like it, you're not afraid to have a go. That it's okay to to have a go and for it to go wrong. That that's that is part of the process. But on the entry point to that, if your attitude is, "I can't do this. This is too hard. I don't really want to do this." You know, it's, that's not a good place to start from. And I think an awareness of that self-talk is really important. Over the course of six months, how many times have you said that to yourself in your head? I doubt it's very many. But over the course of a week of swimming, I've definitely experienced a lot of athletes saying that to themselves. Just the whole time. It's almost that it's on like repeat in their head and it's just trying to break that cycle and being willing to have a go and go okay what happened there what was good what could have been better what did I balls up you know next session okay I'll try to avoid doing that because that didn't work well so quickly forget about that I'd like to have a go at this it's kind of a sense of curiosity an exploration in order to gain experience and to, to like the idea this expression of failing forward is really useful it's not that when you fail at something very rarely is that a line in the sand and you're done it'd have to be pretty spectacular because there's, the, there's a bit after failing that is how you respond to it that's super important so just chucking yourself into it having a go doing a bit of reflection, communicating about it, having a conversation, is going to take you somewhere. Um, in terms of the open water answer, there was a, the, the other bit of it that, um, like so said, the beeps in the pool are one aspect, but also Ed and I have spoke about open water swimming as well, specifically um, open water swimming races. And I know Ed's looked into that, but is waiting on a reply at the moment. But the idea, if it's feasible, is for Ed to have the opportunity to do time trials over 750 metres, 1,500 metres and 3 kilometres and then start to repeat those out in the open water in the same lake where the boys are left in the lake. So it's a relatively repeatable process. Obviously, the weather conditions, particularly the wind and the water temperature, could lead to somewhat different conditions will affect the times, but the time isn't the only thing, you know Like if, if Ed does two 750 meter swims, he goes faster in the first one and slower in the second one, but he's slower in the second one because it was windy and there was six inches of chop on the water Ed, have you ever experienced that before? Not really Well, there you go, he's had another great experience so if that happens when he does his race it's in the bank, it's in there, and he's, we'll have had a conversation about stroke rate, wind direction, and how he might respond to it. It's, I think you know, the question I would almost like like the audience to, to ask themselves at this point is have you swam one length for the pool as hard as you can go? Have you swam two lengths of the pool as hard as you can go? Four lengths? Eight lengths, sixteen lengths. I'm not doing the maths on 750 meters. <laughs> a kilometer, 1500 meters, 1.9k, 1. 3.8k. Have you just done a? Have you done a double swim day to see what it likes? Diogo, what's the longest swim session you've ever done?
0: In one session? Yeah. Six point four k. Right. Okay. So that's pretty long. Ed, this
2: it's not that it, it's pretty long, but it's still not that long. Ed, at the start of the conversation, you were saying you were doing fifteen hundred meters or two k. If you were to build up, and you know, like at the end of the year, we could do like a bit of a, a fun session. I could ask you to go and do sixty one hundreds with two warm, two hundred warm up, two hundred cool down. Do you think you'd learn something?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, because. I think the longest swim I've done so far, I think, is four k. Who knows what happens between four and six? And you're not going to know until you get there.
2: Well, that's the thing as well. And you're racing over three point eight k. So you've only ever yeah. been two hundred meters further than that, really. So your experience range is actually quite narrow. Like, I'm lucky enough to have worked in some environments around elite swimmers. Ten k in the morning, ten k in the evening is not unheard of. And yet, how do I say this, kindly, generally amongst triathletes, the willingness to apply themselves to swimming and work at it and do a significant amount of training is, is not that high, in my opinion.
1: I, I feel like I, I've been in that position before and I think the swim feels like a deceivingly small proportion of the race, because you know, in a in a ten hour event like an Ironman, what what is a twelve minute faster time on paper? But I think you you also need to appreciate that it's not just twelve minutes faster. If you're finishing those twelve minutes more relaxed, more fresh, less stressed than if you were going slower but in a, in a, but less confidently, you know, you're entering the bike in a totally different condition the the phrase i was always told is you know no one's ever won a triathlon on the swim but a lot of people have lost the triathlon on the swim i think it's an interesting thing to think about
2: Mm. the question i always ask athletes i don't know if i'll ask you this ed is um we're just going to kind of omit the swim leg from the from the triathlon we'll go with because that's what you're doing so you're about to start your 112 mile bike ride and um you, you can either just get on the bike and get on with it, or I can give you a five kilogram bag of fatigue because you're really tired from the swim. Um, which one would you like to do?
1: I probably wouldn't take that, that that fatigue.
2: No, of course you wouldn't. Nobody in their right mind would say, oh, yes, please, I'll have the five kilogram backpack to carry all the way around the bike with me. Nobody would do it. But that is essentially the choice that is being made when athletes choose not to work on the swim, and that that is the same over any distance, you know, over the shorter races, even you know a pool sprint distance triathlon over four hundred meters, you're gonna you're going into the, the bike leg with anaerobic deficit because or oxygen where well you should everybody should be going to it with some sort of debt, but even then, there's fatigue that you potentially don't need, um, the state at which. The, especially over in the Ironman, the state, and I know Diego definitely knows this from personal experience and professional experience, the state at which you start, the next leg, is kind of everything. And I would say the next leg is the bike, the end of the bike, and then 30k on the run. If you get to the T1 tired, the bike leg's going to be hard, as I just said. If you get to T2 tired, the marathon's going to be long. If you've made it to 30K before getting tired, you've done pretty well.
0: And that's where all the fun begins.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, and there's a reason why I choose that 30K. And I know I know Ed can probably appreciate that from his experience in Finland.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Alan, i see seen that Ed has yeah. learned a lot with you in the last uh, six, seven months. What have you learned with Ed?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I think the, the you know what I've said, but it's underlined the importance of it for me of actually engaging in the sessions. It, my experience with Ed has has probably made me get back into tempo trainers, using them a little bit more. Um, it's funny you go through waves of. Of uh, things that you're working on as a coach, and you do change your mind on things. And I think it's it's for some, it's not the same for everybody, you know. For somebody, for Ed's point of view, who's done not a lot of racing and not a lot of swimming, the tempo trainer creates a really nice framework. It creates the environment, as I say, to develop the experience. But like if I if I was coaching you, Diego, I wouldn't do the same. Because I know that you you're familiar with the different effort levels and pacing you know, and I wouldn't you know i might I might ask you to to start using a tempo trainer when we're getting to four, six, eight hundred meters, and I, I think it would be fun with you as well, you know, for laughs to do in the same reason with Ed to to go, okay, I want you to do two times or two or three times a kilometer at your kind of race effort, but you've got to hit the beat on the K. I know you would find that session challenging and even between, you know the three of us doing that, it'd be quite fun to see who got the closest and to see who is buying the drinks afterwards. <laughs> Maybe we could put that onto a, a training camp schedule in the uh, not too distant future. Um, <laughs> uh, what else have I learned Poor.
0: Is there anything that you did with Ed that worked quite well and you are excited to do with someone else, for example?
2: I not I think I think putting in the the experience based things you know more more of the the time trials I've definitely done that with more athletes I can't remember when I first drafted another guy that I coached Josh um who had who had notes as well I've done similar with Josh but over shorter distances due to the nature of his events mm-hmm. um but I think it, it like the question to the audience is you know like that I said earlier, have you done these times? Do you have that experience in those benchmarks? Have you done hard efforts because it is it's as much about that you know if you want to get fast, and this is going back to almost my old approach, if you like, but it's still relevant. I'm just doing it in a different way you've got you're, at, you're a percentage of your max speed, so if you're constantly somebody who's trying to push your speed up, that you've got to go fast to go fast. And I think that's one of the things that's worked reasonably well with Ed. But I like I've I've done I've done like speed sessions in the past, but I think actually labeling it as a this is a TT you're going to go full bore is something that I would add in more. And it is it I think that especially for age groupers, it's quite a fun way to do it,
0: giving them the challenge.
2: Well, yeah, as well, because everybody loves a little show off. What's your fastest hundred time, Diego? Can't wait to tell me, can you? Go on, what is it? For for which this is ah uh, a hundred freestyle. Go on, what is it?
0: Fifty nine something.
2: Fifty nine something. What a legend! I've given that two hundred Instagram lives, fifty <laughs> and a million, a million thumbs up. Right, Diego's feeling great about himself. Ed thinks he's a legend. I already know he's a legend. Diego's walking off and having a good day because he's got a chance to show off his 59 seconds. Yeah, who doesn't like that? It's fun to do those things, right? And I think giving you know, age group is doing those kind of things great.
0: And we do know how the changing room works with all the testosterone, everyone just
2: well, uh, yeah, but yeah, guys or girls, it doesn't matter, but yeah. Everybody's competitive. We we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't a bit competitive and we didn't have a little bit of ego, whether it's something that is internally or externally driven. True. Does that that sound fair fair comment, Ed?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think just being told something's meant to be a best effort really makes you just find a little bit extra to put into it. And 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 sometimes you know, like we said before, sometimes it goes wrong. But but you you kind of you you've got to work out where where that is, and you got to get it wrong from time to time. Well, there's been a few of those that are absolutely, absolutely terrible, and I I've looked at them afterwards and been like, oh, I, I really wasn't happy with this. But but you need to do those ones wrong to understand where where the right ones are and 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 learn through that. Yeah.
2: So just to to sum. To sum it up, Ed, what was your CSS pace when you started?
1: Um, like two oh seven. And what is it now? 139. That's not bad, is it? And No, it's been, it's been a good good improvement. Yeah,
2: and that is it is it is you know, it is remarkable. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that everybody's made that improvement, because it's not the case. And that's why I've asked you to come on, because I think is one to demonstrate this
0: possible what's the goal for the is, um, for the race day for the css what
2: what in terms of the pace for Copenhagen yeah. i don't know but the other point i wanted to make there is that the second point is to try and you know if people can take something away from this that is useful then that's great coaches or athletes what's the goal Ed? It's yours, not mine.
1: As as close to like one ten as possible, I think.
2: Yeah. So, we'll see. I,
1: I've I've got a, I've actually got I've got a little practice run on Saturday. You have in in Bournemouth, which will be interesting just to see see what that feels like. Um, should be a bit chilly, but other than that, it'll be good fun.
2: Yeah, I think the CSS to get a one ten is one thirty five or so. Hang on one sec. Quite a bit of maths. Yeah, t- it's one. It's just one thirty-five point two or something like that. Not
0: too far. Too far. Just have like what have three to... months.
1: Still a few months. Ago. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So hopefully this weekend will help with the the three-point AKC swim that you've got and. Um, yeah, I hope you you know, I hope you can take a bit of confidence as well from being asked to do this and that will help a bit as well.
1: No yeah, absolutely. It should be a should be a good test. And if it all goes wrong, there's still something to get out of it, as we said. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Then you can swim a one oh two next year. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure, just said it publicly. Sorry. No, no
0: of course. <laughs> Looking forward. Diego, anything else? No, this was very good. And as I said at the beginning, I'm I'm quite impressed with the the improvement. It's it's amazing. I wish that uh, all the athletes that we know had this kind of willing uh, to improve, especially to face um, swimming the same way you do. We know that the majority of athletes, they hate swimming. um, But the way you face it... and The result is, is amazing. Well done.
2: And I think that's the key message: is is that they can do it. It is possible, and that's that's very much why I wanted to ask Ed to contribute something today. Like it is, everybody can do it. It is possible to improve. If you if you next time you go swimming, just you know, Jerry Rodriguez is a swimming coach to look back to a long time ago, and I remember something that he shared about Lionel Sanders, who's obviously improved in his swimming as a professional. And uh, Lionel rocked up to a session and said to Jerry, like, I'm a crappy swimmer, I'm a terrible swimmer, etc. And Jerry went to him, uh, 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 you're an improving swimmer, you're a developing swimmer. And that that's really, really important.
1: Lionel Sanders is a great example. There's a really good video of him talking about how he got into swimming at an older, at an older yeah. age than than most people. And yeah, I, I find it very motivating to hear this professional. His first triathlon, he swam, I think, two thirty per hundred in in his first race. Um, and now obviously he's you know, what was it, podium and St George this year, yeah. say. So motivating stuff to watch
2: if Lionel, if Lionel if I can get that if Lionel and Ed can do it you can do it too
0: <laughs> that's the way we, we end this episode <laughs> guys thank you so much this was um, very very useful um, Ed it was a pleasure to, to meet you and I really really hope that Copenhagen was going to go your way uh, Alan you're doing a great job um, and thank you for this contribution um Thank you. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at tritrainingharder. Thanks for listening.